Thank you again, Brother Calhoun. Oh, I don't know what to say this morning. <laughs> and it's been uh, 37 years on the license ministry, and before that, I sat by and doing work in the church and ministering and saying, Lord, I want my part of this. And uh, actually, it was a little longer now. It's 42 years since we received the Holy Ghost. But it was so... It was so interesting because when, one year after we found the Apostolic Church, I was full-time in, in a form of ministry. What are you trying to tell me? This? All right. Sam on camera or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. I got so much, and it's flooded on me since I walked in here. Uh, I'd love to share a whole lot more than I've got time to share. But I feel the Lord saying that that is something important. And so it's going to be a uh, mixed-up thing for what I was prepared for here, because God will do that. God can change the direction of your life. When, when he says he wants to change your direction, you need to listen to him. And when I was called to enter a form of ministry, that night the Lord spoke to me as strong as I've ever heard his voice. And he said, you've wanted to serve me, and this is yours, and I'm going to change your life. And then he said one more thing. He said, I will take care of you. And today I look back and say, wow. Did he take care of us? Amen. And uh, you don't give to get with God. You give because it's God. And he gets it. He gets it when your heart is right. He gets it when you're dedicating your, yourself. And that is something I want to touch on this morning. Um, because my subject is faith, hope, and love. And the reason I'm choosing this is because we all have to have a legacy of our own, our own family, our own life. And how do we get that together with God? How do you turn your life over to the Lord? We can all hear the commandment, you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, body, strength, etc., and Jesus repeated that as the first and great commandment. But doing that. Now in the book of James it says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. So when it strikes you that you're on God's string, what are you going to do about it? So from that we want to talk about faith, hope, and love. If you've got your Bible, I'd open to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Should still have the marker here for it. If I had them all marked.
And the 13th verse of the 13th chapter says, And now abideth faith, hope, and in the King James it says charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. This is known as the love chapter. I had a favorite uncle. It was a chapter that he lived by for his life. And he was, he and my aunt were our choice to model after in our marriage because they were so special. And um, to put it into simple terms, it was said when he would wake up in the morning, he would turn to her and he would say, good morning, sunshine, every single morning. Well, I didn't adapt that particular thing, but I have found some things that when you're in love, you do things on behalf of another. And that was the essence of what my uncle had demonstrated. And I hope I've demonstrated it to others, and I hope you will too. So faith, hope, and charity, that is love. But the greatest of these is charity. Praise the Lord. Pastor, would you pray? Lord. Turn to someone and say, I love you, and then be seated if you'd like to. So to try to make things roll here, right, uh, first thought I wanted to throw out here is uh, there's a term called old school. I'm old school. I am not old yet. I'm aggressively working on it. The problem is I'm succeeding. <laughs> and I tell people I don't work anymore. I just don't get to work much less. But I have worked a lot of years to get this old. So bear with me. But I've also seen some miraculous things happen in their they're so great when you see what God is doing and has done throughout all those years. So you'll learn themes from the scripture. But first you have to learn the scripture. My wife and I came from strong fam families, farm families. We had a lot of things right and didn't know it when we got married. And we made some of the silly mistakes that young people can make learning. But we had a lot of advantages. You're celebrating 26. We celebrated 52 this year. And we learned how to love. After we were married, we continued to fall in love and learned how to look out for each other and learned how to preserve that. And we're very careful for it in our early going and got it established that nothing could separate us. We were churchgoers, but uh, it was nominal. But we were regular and faithful. 
So the faith part we had some understanding of. The hope part we had to learn a little bit more because we really didn't know the Bible near as well as we thought we did, being good Christians. And um, I always intended to read the Bible as I grew up, but uh, I had never really, really read it. And then um, 1974, I got a challenge, what do you believe? And I thought I could tell them what I believed, but I found out I couldn't. And I started reading my Bible. Now, I was an uncommon Bible reader. I worked for the dairy, and I could get ice cream sheep. So I would come home from second shift and lay my Bible on the table and get out a half gallon of ice cream, and I would start that ice cream. And when I had eaten half of that half gallon, I put the ice cream away and finished whatever chapter I was reading and put my Bible away and go to bed. And the next night, I would get my Bible out, and I would get my ice cream out. With the help of ice cream, I made it through the Bible in a year and a half. And it changed my life. So fall of 74 to 76 was becoming acquainted with God's word like I never had before. And I come away with two things. No one was ever going to tell me again that God wasn't real, that he wasn't there. Now, I had the experience in the 60s of being on a college campus where they put up a sign, God is dead. They were wrong. They're still wrong. But in my mind, I had expanded and I had thought, you know, nice people, good people. Pretty soon I had it where the gurus were as fine as anybody in the world, you know. But when I read my Bible, it started coming back down. There is a way that seemeth right to men, but the end of that is death. And as I read God's word, I started finding things that said things I'd never heard before relating to the way God deals with us. We belong to him. And so even at the level we were at and everything we had going for us, we had to learn some more. And this is faith. Why? Because faith is a, 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 it's a function of what's already taken place. Whatever you know of God is behind your faith. What you've experienced with God, that's where your faith is based. So faith is from the past and promotes us to the future. Hope. Hope is the design of what God has for us. I have a hope of heaven. I have a hope of seeing Jesus face to face. I have a hope reunion with the saints. It's not now. We taste of some of it. We enjoy life. But the here and now is always in a flux. It's always moving. It's always changing. You don't know what it's going to bring tomorrow, and we don't know what others. You can't put your hope in man. You can't put your hope in government. You can't put your hope in education. You can't put your hope in all those things. 
You can find helps in some of them, but hope is a different thing. So what about living now? Faith, hope, love. We got to have love. Now we live through the hippie era and all in the world needs is love. Well, they were mistaken too. Love has a connotation about it. I struggled in my learning. Love is limitless with God. And yet, it is not unconditional in God's terms. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's the love of God that constraineth us. Now, I've always pictured in my mind, what does that mean? If the love of God is going to constrain me, it's mean I'm, it's like my pet dog. I've got a collar on, and he's got the leash. <laughs> but I like to see the dog have as much freedom as possible. Because the dog shows me so much love, I like to show love to him. But there is a time when it can yank, right? Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, I have not charity. I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, have not charity. It profiteth me nothing. Because charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. God's love is perfect, and when that love comes into us, it does away with our, our, our ills, our bad things. Maybe it's only momentary that it'll displace it, but it will overcome bad things with good. Live for that reason for God. Paul confesses here, verse 11, when I was a child... I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. I know a lot of my age group that is still very much childs in the way they behave. In this world today, we have a lot. I have thought and preached for years. One of our biggest problems in this culture we live in is the more we elevate irresponsibility, the more we have to deal with it. <laughs> and we're dealing with a lot of it today. 
And the answer isn't which political party is going to bring the answer. The answer is when are people going to turn to God? And you can't turn to God without encountering love. Love. What is love? God is love. I love because he first loved me. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. We see in the glass darkly. Do you have a good mirror at home? Does it have lights around it? In the day this was written, if you had a cool, clear pool of water, you might see a reflection. Or if you had some polished brass, that might be your mirror. Darkly, you see an image. You see something to copy or something that is a rendering of what is there. But it's only an image. But Jesus is the express image of his person and God is love. And we need to become Christ-like. If we're going to be constrained by God's love, bear with the fact that he went to the cross for you and me. So that's what we preach. And the rest is the how-tos. So Paul finishes by saying, now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. 1 Corinthians 13 is a chapter of love. Didn't really find a chapter of hope, and I don't have time to go through everything I could lay out here, but hope, perhaps chapter 5 of Romans and chapter 8 of Romans and chapter 12 of Romans and even chapter 15 of Romans talks a little bit about hopes. So maybe there's a book of hope. And faith, of course, you can find that in Hebrews 11. There's a chapter for that. But the greatest is love. Now, love, from the Greek in the New Testament, had many different words used in the Greek, some of which don't even appear in the Bible. But I, I was surprised to find out that this word charity in the King James is only used from Corinthians on. But it is translated from the word agape, which is used elsewhere and translated as love in the King James Bible. So what is it? Well, this model for love in 1 Corinthians 13, to grow up, to mature our faith, to live like God wants us to live. He imparts upon us his love so we are becoming capable of preferring others. Capable of loving. The Bible never tells us to love ourselves. 
We don't seem to have any problem doing that, do we? But it exhorts us to learn to love others. And they will know you are a Christian by your love. They love one another. In the Old Testament, there's very few Hebrew words used for love, but they give the idea of affection, caring, hence preferring another. And then, of course, the command, the great command, is to love God with all, everything you've got. Charity appears 24 times. And um, it denotes the idea of the benevolence. Giving. One pastor I had earlier in my life, he was not apostolic, but he had a statement that has stuck with me all my life, and that is that perhaps the best form of government is a benevolent dictator. Try that one on to compare it with the word God. <laughs> but he had a point. I don't want to get off the subject real bad, but my, my definition here, um, conservatism without godliness is dangerous, just like a lot of other things. As God's first. I wanted to serve God from childhood, and I had an a, a idea when I was quite young about ministry, but I didn't find the path. And I wound up a maintenance mechanic. But if God can take a fisherman, if God can take a tax collector, guess what he can do with maintenance? So I walked out of a maintenance job to Christian ministry. And God enabled. And I've heard this uh, idea, uh, if we do what we're able to do and what we can do and what we are led into having to do, it may fall short, but God will do the rest. Now, there's how our faith and hope function together with love because you're not going to be doing what God wants you to do if you're not doing it in love. So this is the way it works. And so we work our way down through there. And then in John 21, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Jesus, as quoted in the Greek, was using the word agape. And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And he uses the word filio. You're my friend. You're awful good. That's maybe why Jesus asked him again. <laughs> because if you love me, go feed my sheep. Go take care of things that need taken care of. So when I think about all of this, I think about the experiences we've had, 
all the places God has taken us. You know, um, just the idea of coming from a farm background with a dad who never went to high school and watching what God can do with your life. It teaches us God can do anything that he invites us to get into. And so I spent years growing up and getting married and establishing a family and discovering God. And I spent several years serving God in whatever capacity which kept growing and growing. You ever heard of the prayer of Jabez book? I experienced that before the book was out. I ran across that verse one day that that's based on, and I said, God, expand my coasts. And then, the, oh, my, what happened? <laughs> Don't pray without thinking. <laughs> it can happen to you. <laughs> but God's good and takes us where he wants to take us. And it works. Shortly after we had started the Christian school ministry in Beloit with Pastor Kasky, we were working away and things were going through the rigors of getting that thing established. And one day in his office, Pastor turned to me and says, you are not entertaining thoughts of leaving, are you? Because he'd heard some horror stories from some other pastors. <laughs> But God had put it in my heart. I turned to him. I said, Peter said, Lord, who can I turn to? You are everything. I said, this is what God called me to. I guess this is where I got to be. Well, that was my training ground, though, and the Lord eventually did give, extend another call, and that's why I wound up doing what I never dreamed of doing, and that was starting a church. And uh, at age 40, we ventured out from security to insecurity with our family and came to a new city. And after we began to work there, I felt God say, now you're where I want you. And then I could say, I'm doing what God wants me to do. Now, Moses got 40, 40, and 40, if you read about him. I figured it's roughly 20, 20, and 20 with me, but the last part got the greater portion. It was prophetic, and if you read about the prophets, then if you're a good prophet following a prophet, you need to ask for a double portion. Sometimes it works. Anyway, we've enjoyed, and uh, so we got this function. So I, I come to you telling you, it's kind of like Joshua. I was mistaken in reading the book of Joshua. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I had that confused for many, many years in my mind. I hadn't looked back and read it carefully to see. That did not come immediately when Joshua took over after Moses. That was much, much later after he'd experienced everything. And your experience with God should keep growing, growing, growing in love until there's undeniable. There's nowhere else to go. 
Then you can be like Peter and say, well, Lord, who will I turn to? Then we can see the dedication that works with us. I'd like to take us to 1 John 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. To bestow is to give, to charge to, to invest in, to confer upon. God has put his love on us. You don't invest without expecting something. Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. One of my favorite passages in Philippians, if I could have what God wanted me to have, if I could attain to that which he wants me to be, if I can apprehend that which I'm apprehended for, He's grabbed on to you. What are you grabbing on to? The love of God constrains us, moves us in this way. This is what we can preach for life. Having a little experience with education, my wife and I, working with others, is to confer, to bestow upon others, enabling them, helping them to get there. Building them up. That's why love is the greatest. And he, he wants us to go there. He's bestowed upon us. So we can be. And I've been called a lot of things, but very few of them have called me a son of God. They've called me a lot of other things over the years. They've missed it. The scripture tells us we want the better part. Don't you? I want the love of God. So that which he's put on us has to come forward, has to bring something. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know, say we know, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Praise God. For we shall see him as he is. And every man, say every man, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. I believe I said it was a pastor the other day on the phone. I've, I picked this up just this recently. So I got to repeat it now. We serve a holy God and to love God is to turn holy. He imparts holiness unto us just like he imparts love unto us. Well, people have a hard time understanding what, what that means. 
well, I've, I've found a simple illustration I hope will help. When I'm driving and I see the yellow line, I don't debate whether yellow was the right color. I don't argue about why it's there. Sometimes I think that's a stupid place to put a yellow line. Sometimes it's in my way because I'm in a hurry. But I stay to the right of it. Because I love life. Love compels us. That's how it restrains us. Love builds a relationship. Love is a relationship with God. We, we relate with him because he loved us. And it doesn't matter where we came from. I can boast of coming from a strong family background, but that's not what saved me. Jesus saved me. I was born again of water and spirit. I was baptized in Jesus' name. I became one of his. And therein is the difference where love can blossom and bloom. Praise God. So every man that hath this hope purified himself. We're going to be changed, see? How many times do you read that? If you read through the New Testament, there's lots of ways he changes us. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law, and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Uh-huh. What empowers us? Grace empowers us to do that which is right in God's sight. The righteous are righteous when they're right before God, because righteousness is right standing with God. And if we educate one another in this, then we can use my definition of education. Education is transmitting life from the living to the living. It's not about how much money you can make. It's not about how big a house you have. It is about what's happening in your heart. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. I struggled with that about 40 years ago. So is the Bible telling me that I'm incapable of sinning? Did you ever think about that? That's not what it's telling us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
it's telling us that when we're standing with God, we don't pursue sin. We cannot. You know, the joke says, if you find the fork in the road, take it. But the truth is, we have always been given choice. But choosing God is the only wise and right way. I choose to love. He chose the cross. I choose him. He covered my cross. I guess I am conferred with his love. He covered the cross. The law came, and then came Jesus. There's a lot of things we can see this way, but I want to illustrate it. And love puts us on the crossroad right to that. In this the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither is he, neither he that loveth not his brother. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. I'll just stop there, but you can read the rest of that little chapter for yourself. There's not much left. But anyway, to perfect something is to bring it to its best or completeness. While the word per perfect means without blemish, without fault, there's a second meaning to perfect. Perfect is complete. The Bible doesn't say we'll be without any problems. But the Bible says we will be complete in him. Be ye perfect. For I am perfect, saith the Lord. Faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. Love you. Love you. Turn and express love. Come on, let's stand and thank God for the word. Why don't we just bow our heads and thank the Lord for this gift of the word. Lord, we thank you for faith. We thank you for implanting each one of us. All men has been given the gift of faith. We thank you for that gift leading us to the gift of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for that gift leading us to the gift of life. We thank you for the conference, for the blessing of those that have gone before us and walked this path and well-worn the track, Lord Jesus, that we can see the blessings of God in their life. And we know that all of our life is lived to the glory of God. As we bow our heads and we close our eyes, I pray that somebody would just open their heart to you, Jesus. And they would confess again. They would reach out again and they would say, Lord, yes, I, I have been overwhelmed with things in this life. I've been overwhelmed with the circumstances around me. 
but help me to remember that faith is at work in my life, that hope of heaven is guiding me and is my destination, Lord God, and that love was conferred upon me at the cross, that you loved the world so much that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever would believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that we are believers who take action. We walk through baptism. We walk through the path that Jesus gave us with death, burial, and resurrection. And so we're thankful today as we celebrate faith, hope, and love. We go ahead and we take moments of prayer to thank you, Jesus, for the legacy of what you've built in us. Somebody find a place to pray and just be thankful to the Lord. If you want to sit, if you want to come to this altar, it's open right now. Why don't you take a moment and just thank God for the people in your life that have conferred upon you faith, hope, and love over the years. The messages that you've heard, the times when God has ministered to you in a low moment, the times when you stood on the mountaintop and you heard vision, you heard word, you heard direction from the Lord. Lord, we thank you. On this Legacy Sunday, we thank you for giving us the guides and the instructions in our life and those that led us, our teachers and our mentors who taught us the Word of God. Thank you for your Word left for us that leads us and guides us. We open up this altar call to celebrate the legacy built in each one of us through life invested in us. Thank you, Lord, for investing your life in me, Jesus, for giving your life for me. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Bless your holy name. Come on, just pray and thank God for his goodness over your life. I love your voice. Just begin to worship him right now. You have led me through the fire. If you want to bring your family to the altar and just gather them around you, do that. And thank God for your family. Thank God for the place where God's word is lived out. Where the example is given. And where you can follow after it. Where you can follow after God. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Let's take a moment of prayer. So oh. 